Theology Matters, a podcast that applies theology to everyday life. This podcast is a ministry of Bible Baptist Church of Sodus. I'm your host, Pastor Nick Boothman. With me today is Jay Riggleman, lead pastor of Bible Baptist Church of Sodus. Welcome, Pastor Jay. Thanks, Nick. So our topic today is this, misquoted, some of the most misused verses in the Bible, part one. Pastor Jay, can you start by telling us uh, why you chose this series and also which misused verse you chose for today's discussion? I'd be glad to do that, Nick. Uh, You know, the Bible uh, is the inspired Word of God that is a soul-saving, all-sufficient, life-changing, truth-proclaiming, heart-convicting book, and I know you believe that as well. However, as one author stated, if mishandled and used inappropriately, the Bible can turn into a dangerous book. Even the words of Jesus can be taken out of context and misused, and they have been. So uh, we start our misquoted podcast series by looking at a quote from Jesus that is one of the most misused verses in the Bible, and it's found in Matthew chapter 7 in verse number 1, and it reads like this. Remember the words of Jesus. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. In the King James Version, it says, judge not lest ye be judged. And in the ESV, it says, judge not that you will not be judged. And so you have these different translations, but it's pretty clear um, the message that Jesus is uh, sending, or it seems to be clear. But this particular verse has been wildly misused and misapplied um, over the years. So really, the question is to judge or not to judge. So you made a comment um basically along the lines of if we take scripture out of context, it, it, it's a really dangerous thing. So is the topic of judging, because that's the scripture you brought up from Matthew 7, 1, is this topic of judging really that big of a deal if misused? Yeah, I really think it is. And um, we're going to kind of dive deeper into how this uh, verse is misquoted. But I want to start by just mentioning three significant issues that are connected to the misuse of this verse. Number one, uh, because uh, how many people have interpreted and used this verse, we often don't judge when we need to judge. Secondly, uh, we often judge without following biblical principles. And thirdly, uh, judge not is often used as a shield for our own sin. What I mean by that is we use that to keep people at bay, uh, to justify our lifestyle, and to kind of get away from accountability. Like, don't you judge me, uh, Nick. Uh, you got your own problems. Or with other believers, we, we, we can do that. And when we do that, we're, we're creating kind of a, an artificial and unbiblical shield around us so no one can kind of get into our life and, and try to iron sharpens iron, so to speak, because we say, judge not. These are the words of Jesus. Don't you dare judge me. Yeah, I really hear what you're saying. This could be a really dangerous thing if somebody uses this verse in that way, because like you said, it avoids accountability and it actually makes the other person feel guilty for quote unquote judging because the point is you're doing something unscriptural right now. You're actually the problem, not me. So if misusing this verse is problematic what exactly is Jesus saying when he makes the statement, do not judge, or you too will be judged? Well, this is where the theology of judging comes in. 
And I think that that's appropriate because the title of our podcast is Theology Matters. So what is really being um, addressed here in verse number one? And some would say that uh, just based on face value in verse one, some have said, uh, Jesus is really telling us, don't be a person who judges. Uh, don't you, don't you judge me? Or sometimes, uh, non-believers, uh, accuse, uh, Christians of being judgmental. And in some cases, that's probably true, but it's too blanket of a statement. And so there's claims being made uh, that are related to this statement. And so what is Jesus really talking about? Yeah, and to their point, because I think it's helpful if you interact with their point, to their point, um, they might say something like this, didn't Jesus teach tolerance? Shouldn't we be meek and mild people who refrain from all this judging. So do they do they have a point in the sense that uh, we shouldn't judge this way? Or how, how would you answer that? Well, my initial answer is going to be context, and we're going to dive into the context of this verse. And we won't be able to cover everything surrounding this, but I would um, encourage our listeners to do some study on how Jesus treated people. And we, we tend to, if we are leaning towards don't be judgmental, we will lean towards finding those examples where Jesus was very kind and accepting of people which are there. But we often overlook the fact that Jesus also called people to task about certain things, especially people that were judging in the wrong way. He judged them for the way they were judging. Uh, so Jesus didn't totally ignore or um, uh, kind of set aside the idea of judging. But in order to understand uh, how uh, Matthew 7, 1 should be used, let's start with context. And for our listeners, a context is part of proper Bible hermeneutics. I know that's a big word, but it simply means it's the methodology or tools that we use uh, to study and interpret the Bible. The Bible verses that we will look at in this series are often misquoted or misused because of a faulty understanding of the context. Uh, sometimes this occurs through what I would call a truncated context. That is, we read all the verses connected, we don't read all the verses connected to the misquoted or misused verse. Um, so I would say to our listeners again, when in doubt, read the verses before and after the quoted verse or verses. Because I've heard this uh, before, and I think it's good uh, advice to be thinking about, or a statement to be thinking about, choosing Bible sound bites can be very misleading. Whether it's a, a believer or a non-believer, we can quote things from the Bible, um, just little snippets, but sometimes we use them in, in totally the wrong way. And I would say, finally, that proper context also includes knowing who is speaking, who is listening, and the purpose of the information. Absolutely. And to your point um, about context, you could really make the Bible say anything you want it to if you just take <laughs> out right. a, a verse or, or a sentence. Uh, but you, you have to take things not only in uh, the context of that paragraph or that book, but also the whole Bible. I mean, there are other places where, you know, Matthew 18, 15, where it says, if your brother or sister sins, go point out their fault. So we have to take those things in the proper context. Absolutely. And, and it's really, really important because 
um, it helps us to give full understanding to these particular verses that are often misused. And, it, and it's also just good Bible study methods to dive into the context, because um, I've heard this illustration or example before. It sounds kind of silly, but it really kind of points out the fact or points to the fact that context is so important. Um, I would never encourage a believer um, to start their day with, hey, God, I want you to show me what you want me to do today, and then just say, here's how you do that. Pray that, and then just open your Bible any place. Don't look where it is. Just open and then point to a verse, and then whatever that verse is, go and do what that verse says. That would be so um, silly to do that, and, and actually quite dangerous, because you may end up in the Old Testament, and, and it'll tell you to do something like, what? Or you go to the New Testament, and, and you're just you're pointing and, and not looking at context. Who would live their Christian life that way? But yet, sometimes when it comes to important um, topics, even like judging, we don't uh, deal with the context properly. So let me just do a quick... Um, overview of the context for this misused verse. First of all, Jesus is speaking. Secondly, the setting is the Sermon on the Mount. And that's important because uh, do not judge, uh, lest you be judged, is not some isolated teaching. It is part of a longer sermon given by Jesus that covers about 19 sermon points. And basically, the Sermon on the Mount is teaching, uh, he's wanting to teach his listeners how to live a life pleasing to God, he teaches Christian ethics, and he exposes the errors of the religious leaders. So this is within the context, again, of a, of a broader teaching. And the audience is the crowds, the disciples, and the religious leaders. That's important because when Jesus is making this statement in Matthew 7-1, he's talking to the curious, he's talking to the committed, and he's talking to the combative. And I'm really talking about the religious leaders when I say combative. And, and he is zeroing in on them because they were very good at judging. Absolutely. Very good. Absolutely. And what, what are the surrounding verses? Because that also might be helpful to, um, for the listeners to understand what else Jesus says, especially following Matthew 7, 1. Well, let's go back to Matthew 7, and we're going to read verse 1 and then read a few verses after that, which I think will give the context. And I hope our readers, when they're listening to our podcast, I hope a number of them actually get out their Bibles and and look at the verses that we're talking about. Uh, so if you don't have your Bible open, go to Matthew chapter 7, and let's pick up with verse number 1. It says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly how to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Yeah, good. And and can you break that down a little farther and really help us understand um, how this proper context can play out in real life and also help us understand this passage and the subject? Sure. Again, I'd like to identify um, three um, parts of the context that I think will help us not to misuse Matthew 7.1, use it in context. Number one, Jesus is not prohibiting all types of judging. The danger would be is just to look at verse number one, and that would not give us the full contextual uh, use that Jesus is uh, meaning with verse number one. Uh, 
Jesus in these verses is saying judging can be abused, but it doesn't cancel out all judging, even though it can be abused. And if you notice in, in these verses, in the context, judging is still done in the end. Uh, Jesus says, listen, be careful um, when you judge that you kind of look at your own life first. Um, and then verse number five says, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So it's saying here, do these things before you judge, but it's not saying never judge. It's just saying, be very, very careful how you judge. So Jesus is not um, saying judging is wrong in all cases. Secondly, Jesus warns that the way you and I judge others will be reciprocated in how you are judged. And so this this is good for us to be keeping in mind. There may be some of our listeners who are saying, oh, I've never misused that verse. I am really good at judging people. I do it often, and it's part of my Christian um, experience. Great. But you need to ask yourself, how are you judging people? Because the religious leaders were good at judging, but they were really, really harsh. They didn't have, didn't have the proper motives. And Jesus was wanting them to hear what he was saying in these verses, that if that's the way you judge, that's the way God is going to judge you. There are some very specific ways. And the third thing that comes out in this context, which I really love, is that Jesus is actually teaching us on how to judge properly. Not saying don't judge. Uh, he's warning that be careful uh, in the, the way that you judge, because you'll be judged the same way. But then he actually gives us some very practical uh, biblical teaching on how to judge properly. That's good. And just to summarize what you're saying for the, the listeners— and also, just make sure I'm understanding you correctly, what you're saying is this passage is not teaching that we should never point out somebody else's sin, but instead, we shouldn't do that hypocritically in the way if, if somebody around you is struggling with marital issues and your own marriage is, um, you are not treating your wife the right way, you go home and scream at her and all these things, it'd be very hypocritical to have this giant plank in your eye, which is the sin. Uh, so you're actively doing this, the plank is in your own eye, and then you go to your brother and say, hey brother, I, I noticed you you talked to your wife harshly the other day. That's That's not a good thing. First, that person should go and treat their own sin, and then uh, lovingly point out the other person's sin. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. And, and just even getting back to what we talked about a little bit at the beginning, um, I think you would agree with me, uh, being a fellow pastor in ministry, uh, we desire for people to grow in their faith and grow in their maturity in Christ. Uh, but in the church, uh, there seems to be two extremes um, that are that are based off of this verse, and, and, there, and neither one is very biblical. The one would be that we we judge away, um, and we're we're just really harsh with people, or we're just critical of people, and we just want to point out their faults. And the other extreme is we don't want to say anything, and so we 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 almost let people get away with some pretty blatant or um, public sins, and nobody calls them out on it, and that doesn't help either. So. Is there something kind of in the middle or a more biblical approach to judging? I would say yes. Another thing that I've 
notice, not to go too much in the weeds, but one thing I've noticed in the church is sometimes people use this verse to say, well, you know, I, I always have sin in my life, so I'm never perfect. And, and this is people who are growing to be more like Christ. It's not like they have this huge plank in their eye that they're just saying, no, that, that sin's not in my life. Like they're, they're trying to change, but then they say, who am, who am I to point somebody else's sin out because I'm a sinner too? I don't think that's what this verse is saying, that you have to be perfect in order to point out someone's sin because Jesus wouldn't say this because nobody's perfect. Um, dealing with your own sin and growing in Absolutely. And teaches there are, uh, first one, the first person we others eye and pay no attention to any of us are perfect. So it's not that you can't uh, properly with the right motives and for a good husband. I'm probably not going to be a good judger of other men uh, who are not husbands. I need to make, get that in order. Not maybe. I should get that in order. Uh, but so we should start with ourselves. Secondly, the Bible gives us permission to judge non-Christians in the sense that we look at the world around us and there are uh, non-Christians, unbelievers who are doing things that are in opposition to God, his word, his values. Uh, can we make statements like, this is wrong? Yes. Can we make statements, what you're doing is wrong? Yes. Uh, we can make those. We are allowed to do that. That's part of the judging, that freedom that God gives us. Uh, the Bible also gives us freedom to judge false teachers. Uh, we need to do it uh, according to Scripture and in using Scripture, and, and we'll get into a, more, a little bit more about what that means with some details, but we are allowed to judge false teachers, and, and that's important. This has been done all throughout church history, um, calling out false teachers. And then uh, one other category which I think is neglected, and I understand why, because of both pride and also it's just uh, kind of uh, awkward. We are given permission to judge other Christians. Uh, we're supposed to go to people. If someone's offended us, if someone's sinned against us, the Bible tells us that we're supposed to go to them. And part of going to them is a judging uh, aspect because we we say listen you, you did this to me said this about me and I, I i was hurt or offended or you sinned against me the bible tells us we can do that in galatians chapter 2 our listeners could go back and look at a, at a place where paul very strongly calls out peter for having a double standard in the way he treated other people and, and it's clear as day there uh, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1 says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. So, so we are to um, restore people and, and judge in the sense of calling out the sin. And then the book of James also talks about the fact that if someone's wandering from the truth, uh, we should be willing and... and uh, involved in the process of calling them back. And wandering from the truth might be some sinful action or sinful teachings that need to be judged. So there are a number of people that we are to judge according to the Bible. So based on these categories, uh, it seems like 
everybody is fair game, right? There's you, these categories. There's nobody that wouldn't fit in the one of these categories because you're either a Christian or non-Christian, um, or yourself. And then you also mentioned false teachers. So, right, every, everybody, <laughs> everybody is. But I think again, you uh, you brought this out, and I did as well. If people are looking for an order to the uh, to the list of who we should judge, I would say default to start with yourself in every situation. Even if it's very clear that I need to come alongside this person and call them out on this, we still should be judging ourselves about uh, how we're going to do this. So, but you know, let's start with ourselves always. That that's good. So everybody. In a sense, we start with ourselves. Everybody's fair game, but what things should we judge? So, what should we judge? Because uh, uh, criticism, whether it's fair or not, about people who judge is you know just stop being so nosy. Mind your own business. Why? Why are you um, pointing out these things? So, is there anything that we should judge or should not judge? Yes, I, I think the Bible gives us some clear direction on that. I want to start with uh, a few things that I would encourage our listeners not to judge. Uh, and that would be preferences and non-essentials. We, we should not be judging, I, I think, we shouldn't be judging each other on whether a person is uh, loves uh, or prefers hymns over choruses. Um, the Bible translations that we use, Baptist is the best. Whether someone is doing yard work on a Sunday or we're judging uh, people or judging their church because they don't have a Wednesday night prayer meeting or a Sunday night service or, or you know, the pastor's wife has an outside job. She has a part-time job. That is so wrong. She should be fully devoted to her family and to her husband. And we judge away in the these areas of preferences and non-essentials, I would say stop. That is not what we should be judging. Um, the, the Bible doesn't give us liberty to do that. We also shouldn't be judging based on improper motivation. And here's what I mean. We can often judge people because they're not doing it like we do it, or we say they're not doing it like we've always done it. This creeps into churches all the time. Somebody is, you know, the way they're kind of handling something or doing a ministry or are doing this or that is not like they, I would do it or you would do it or the way the church has always done it. And things should be evaluated, but that's not a, a cause for uh, immediate judging and, and, and saying, oh, we got to talk because you're just not doing it like the, the way I do it. Um, and so we have to be careful. And I'm, I'm just going to be honest here. I have to be careful with that because I have the ways that I like to do things. I have ways that I like to set up chairs, the ways that I like to do different ministry tasks, how I like things to be in order and those kind of things. And so I have to be careful that if it doesn't match up to the way I like it, it doesn't mean I can't address it, but am I doing it in a way where I'm like judging that person that they're really, they're not like, a good volunteer or they're they're not being a good Christian because they're not doing it the way I would do it, that's really going to fall back more on me. So we shouldn't be judging these preferences and non-essentials. So that's very good. You, you mentioned the things we should not judge. So what should we judge? Well, I, I think we should be judging the following. 
um, sin. And what I mean by sin, clear violations of God's word, actions, attitudes, speech. And thankfully, the Bible is pretty um, explicit for us to, to know uh, what things are sinful. And I would say, let's go make sure we go back to the Bible. And if you can't find it in the Bible, it's probably a preference or a non-essential. But there's enough in the scriptures that we can be judging. And I just want to pause for a moment on this one, because it seems like kind of a, a no-brainer to tell people that we should be judging sin. But again, my own personal observation in ministry and in, in, in church ministry, and just even looking at ministries that have been uh, on TV or on the radio, uh, unfortunately, there's been a, a number of prominent Christian leaders um, that have explained away or justified their actions or their words and are not receptive to being judged, so to speak, because they're renaming these things as not sinful. And I'm stepping back and looking at it and going, wait a second, this inappropriate relationship you're having with someone other than your wife, it's, it's not be, you know, acceptable because you have a lot of stress in your job as a, as a pastor. It's sin. So we need to call sin, sin, and we need to judge it. Uh, another thing we should be judging is false teaching, um, and also clear hypocrisy. If someone is, is saying something and then living out a, a different um, aspect of that. And I think we should also be judging uh, revealed improper motives. What I mean by that is if we know something or someone is doing something even that appears to be good, but they're doing it for the wrong reason and it's revealed, I know motives are difficult to judge, but let's say it's revealed that they're doing it for power or they're doing it for influence or they're doing something in the church uh, to gain money or, or whatever. Uh, those things can be judged, those motives. That's very good. And I think that's helpful because uh, we, we live in a world where, like you said, when you call out someone's sin, even if you do it in a loving way for loving reasons, because um, metaphorically, they're running towards a cliff and about to fall off. And, and by warning them, hey, your, your actions are um, a sin against God and a sin against other people, and, and you're doing damaging things, by stepping between them and the cliff and trying to turn them around, that uh, is claimed to be an unloving thing because we're not letting people do what they want to do. So we're, we're taking away... Um, it seems like we're taking away their autonomy. And, and also it seems like, or the claim is that we're coming in like we are higher than them because I know, I know the right thing to do and you don't. Where in actuality, I, I don't know anything <laughs> besides what God has told me in his word. So it's, it's not me or you or anybody else that's uh, coming to this position of authority. It's clearly pointing to God who is in control and a God who loves us and warns us in our sin, in our sin from His Word. So, it's actually a loving thing to do to judge properly. And it's, if we're honest, it, it's risky to judge. But the risk goes both ways. It, it's risky to judge because I may have the tendency to be too harsh, or to improperly judge somebody, or or, you know, or do it with my own motives or my own purposes in mind, other than uh, godly purposes. So that's one risk. The other risk is, like you said, 
if, if we don't judge each other when we need to, uh, people um, can really go off the rails or be going off the rails and, and no one's helping them or challenging them to come back or calling them out on the fact that not only is it detrimental what they're doing to themselves, but also to other people, but also the fact it's not pleasing God. So it's risky to judge. Absolutely. So help, help me out with something, because a lot of times when I think of the word judge, I think of being judgy, right? Where, um, oh, I, I, can't, I can't believe that that person is wearing that outfit, right? Kind of, kind of that judgy attitude. So at least the, my question or the question, how should we judge? Well, let me give you some examples or share some examples. And uh, that's a great question. And I, I don't want to kind of downplay the word judge, even though I know in each person's mind it has its own definition. For some, it sounds really harsh or uh, being, like you said, judgy. But if I was allowed to kind of give a synonym, it might be how should we uh, evaluate others in our lives um, in a way that pleases God. And um, so we've already talked several times about starting with yourself. Uh, so do that. But when there is an opportunity um, to judge others, which I think would include or can include believers and non-believers, how do we evaluate properly? Well, use God's word as the standard for evaluation. Uh, make it, you know, really a, a point to be able to take somebody uh, to a, a verse uh, or a, a section of verses or a principle in scripture that would um, kind of support the need for that judging. And, and like I said, if you can't, then it's probably going to go back to what you said. If we can't really find the biblical uh, precedent or criteria for the judging, we're probably being judgy. And so do that. Humility. Why am I doing this? Well, in the context of a relationship that we have with that person, you're saying, I love you enough. I value you enough that I'm going to step in. I'm going to risk enough to step in, but I'm going to do it with humility, understanding I'm, an, I'm a, a sinner saved by grace just like you, but I'm going to do it with humility. Also, the clear vision that it talks about in Matthew 7, to get the plank out of our, out of our eye. Um, I, I've described this sometimes to, to young people or in a youth group setting uh, in, the, in medical terms, where let's say you are going to the dentist and um, he's going to drill a, a cavity that you have, or you have a cavity and he has to drill, and, and you're getting ready for, he's getting ready to do that, and then you, you, know, you open your eyes and you look, and, he, and his eyes, both eyes are kind of watering, and he's blinking a whole lot. And you're like, hey, Doc, is everything okay? He's like, yeah, I got something in both eyes, and, and I'm, I, I, can, I can't really see that well. But I know it's really important that I, that I drill this tooth. So I, I'm just going to do my very best. If I was that person, I'd be like, uh, time out, Doc. Um, I'll reschedule the appointment. And the reason why I use that analogy with uh, youth group kids is I would say, listen, there is a need. There is a tooth that needs to be addressed, um, but it needs to be addressed properly with, with the dentist who has the best vision possible. So it wouldn't be in your best interest to say, I don't really care about this tooth that needs to be drilled. Uh, I ju I'll just deal with the pain. You'll say, I need to deal with this, 
but I want to, I want the doc to be ready to do this in the right way. So we, we step in sometimes as the dentist, so to speak, but do we have clear vision? Um, and then also how should we judge with sincere motives? Are we looking to restore the person? Are we looking for spiritual growth to take place in the person? Um, are we uh, sincerely um, warning them because we care about the potential uh, consequences if they don't change what they're doing? These are all really good motives that we should have. I don't think these are motives that the religious leaders had that Jesus was talking to when he said, um, do not judge or you too will be judged. I don't think they had those motives. They didn't. They weren't really caring to restore people. They were looking to, like you said, to make themselves look good. And so if I have a restoration, growth, sincere, caution motive, motives in my heart, it'll, it'll keep down the temptation to make myself look good. And then also, I think we should get all the facts. Just practically speaking, Proverbs 18, 13, if someone gives an answer before he hears it um, or hears the whole matter, it is folly and shame. So let's get all the facts. Um, it's very easy to judge from a distance. And I would also say, and I have said this to people who have come to me ready to judge somebody, and I've challenged them, have you gotten all the facts? And they said, no, I don't really want to do that. I've, I've said to them, and I would say this to our listeners, if you're not willing to get all the facts, then don't judge. Very good. So let's do a full circle. <laughs> okay. um, do not judge, or you too will be judged. To judge or not to judge, that is the question. So... Uh, what, what are your thoughts on a, just a summary of... Well, the answer to that is yes to both. So I would say to people, according to Matthew 7, 1, our first um, misused Bible verse, according to a proper understanding of Matthew 7, 1, judge away. But make sure you judge the Bible way, the Jesus way, because he said so. But also make sure you judge the right people with the right process for the right purposes. But go ahead and judge. Very good. That's It's been a helpful discussion uh, from multiple angles. One, because Scripture, how we understand and interpret Scripture, matters for our theology. That really matters. So if we're uh, misusing Scripture, that affects our theology, which affects the way we live. And it's very clear how you laid that out. Um, So it's helpful in understanding scripture. It's also helpful in thinking through the implications of what does it mean to judge biblically, because you made a comment through uh, in, in our podcast that we have our own connotations of that word. So we say, don't judge, and people are thinking different things in their mind. And that's isn't always helpful. So what does the Bible say about what judging is, which you made clear that uh, it's to evaluate somebody else's life in a way that is looking at your own life, done in the right way, and done biblically. So all that to say, thank you for the discussion. And that is all the questions we have today on Theology Matters, a podcast that applies theology to everyday life. Please join us next time for our topic, What is the Conscience and Why Does It Matter? God bless. Thanks, Nick. God bless, too.